Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. I'm going to ask you this morning to bear with me while I'm a little discombobulated. I, uh, I kid you not, about six or seven years ago, I asked Dave, why won't you come and play with us every Sunday morning? He was such a good drummer. No offense to our drummers, I'm not saying that. But it's like, he was such a good musician. And I specifically asked, it's like, why won't you come and play? And he said, Sunday mornings are so involved. Sunday mornings are so involved. I can't do it all at the same time. And it was funny because I really didn't think it'd be that big of a deal. And now, oh yeah, here we go, kids. So, I'm going to back up just a little bit. I want to invite you this morning. Uh, let me see if I can get this show on the road. Uh, let's, there we go. Thank you. Thank you so much, Balcony. Um, you have a paper. And the paper that you have in front of you, I like interaction. I like being involved. I watched for years my mother taking notes during the sermon on the bulletin. I oftentimes wondered why. Now I realize I can't remember what's going on. I can't remember the highlights. I can't remember the points that I so much wanted to know. And later, when I want to go back and reread that, I need to know where I'm at. I need to know what I'm thinking. So this morning, in the, interaction, uh, the interactive part of this, on this sheet, I want you to do two things. First, I need you to help me. Today being March 11th, we're going to look at the weather report. Okay, so we passed out some pencils. If you have colored pencils, you're going to need two colors. That's all you need today is two colors. Um, pick one of those, doesn't matter which, and in that box in the middle of that sheet that you got, if you don't have one, throw a hand up, we can get one to you. Um, I want you to, you don't have one, Rick? You're going to need one. Definitely need one of those. I want you to draw what inevitably, oh, you don't have pencils, you can use a pen, anything. Yeah, you don't have to have colors. Logically, we're in Erie, Pennsylvania. There's going to be cloud cover, so I need you to draw the cloud cover, get into it, Draw those great big cumulus clouds that are inevitably bringing one last bout of snow by March 17th. It always happens, right? Perfect, Ken. Way to go. Ken is an artist. Even, even more cloud cover. We definitely know Erie, Pennsylvania, cloud cover is coming. Likely rain, hopefully rain, not snow. That could be sleet. You never can tell. Interact. Be involved. You're going to need this picture, Okay? Finish your picture. I'll divulge why you need to finish your picture because this is really where we're at today. Okay? My wife laughed at me as I did this. A day later, one of these appeared on our scripture board. My youngest son drew it. I've been saying that it was a lamb all week. He said it's a lion. I was taught as a child, March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. Here we are in March. No accident. Today we're talking about sheep. I think you would get that from all of the various songs that were chosen, the topics, where we're heading, even the countdown. I wanted to point this morning towards the concept of sheep. You're going to need this picture. We're coming back to this picture. Don't lose this picture. I'm going to invite you now to take two colors. And during the scripture, as we're going through these, I want you to track only two things today. Okay, we're going to get to a point where we'll talk about a lot of things. This is a really, really busy passage. But I want you to track... Sheep and the shepherd, okay? So pick one color, and anytime the sheep are mentioned, that's you. Pick your favorite color, and you either underline, circle, put a box, highlight, right? 
track the sheep. That's you. Take another color that's offset and track the shepherd. So, here we go. First, let me point this out to you. We have to get in context in John chapter 9. Unfortunately, there were some guys that put numbers in the Bible, and these numbers broke down chapters and verse for us. That way we can find things. The unfortunate thing was somebody in their infinite wisdom put a number right in the middle of a chapter that shouldn't have had a number there. You see, there's a big conversation going on in John chapter 9 about something that happened. And then they put the number 10 right when Jesus starts to explain everything. So in John chapter 9, there's a guy that was born blind. He was born blind, and Jesus heals him, and they drag him in front of the Pharisees. They drag him in front of the Sadducees, all the rulers of the land. They want to know, how was this guy healed? And the guy goes on to explain it, and he's like, I saw this Jesus guy, and he put mud in my eyes. He told me to go wash in the pool, and I'm healed. And it's amazing. Now, there's a really tense moment here. The tense moment is this. The ruling body of Israel at this point had decided that whoever acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ was going to be put out of the synagogue. So in John 9.22, they're questioning this family. They ask the guy, they ask the parents, is this your son? Was he born blind? Is this real? And in John 9.22, we see the statement. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. So there's a big conflict. There's a moment of tension here. And what happens is, is that this man, finally, the parents essentially abandon him. They say, he's old enough. Let him answer for himself because they don't want to be put out of the synagogue. And the rulers are pressuring this man. Now, there's a moment where he replies, and it's almost funny. He says, what, do you want to be his disciples too? Oh, they get uptight. Oh, they are uptight. They're not happy with this guy. And they put him out of the synagogue. They toss him out. And when he gets tossed out, he's moving along, and all of a sudden he meets a man that he has never seen before. And this man is Jesus. And he says, do you want to know the Son of God? Do you, do you want to know the Son of Man? And the blind man says, tell me who he is. And Jesus says, I who am talking to you am he. And the guy worships him. And one of the Pharisees there, he poses a question, and Jesus says, if you had been able to see, you wouldn't be guilty of sin. But now that you claim to see, you're guilty. And the Pharisees say, are we blind too? And then John chapter 10 happens. John chapter 10 starts out like this. So let's read the first column together. Remember, anywhere that there's a sheep, take your color. Anywhere there's a shepherd, take the other color. John 10, verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Verse 6, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. There's an amazing story that Jesus unfolds, and the strangest part is, being in context, he's telling them a story, and they don't even see it coming. Have you ever had a friend that's particularly good at telling stories, crafting an analogy? I have one. He has woven stories in front of me that's like the people don't even see it coming. 
And then he hits them with the moral of the story, and they're like, wow, they're blown away. I have to admit that during uh, the Gospels, as I read through, there's rare moments that I feel sorry for the Pharisees. I really do. In this moment, I feel sorry for them. They don't even see it coming. They're in the middle of this big discussion about a man that was healed and was blind, and they kick him out of the synagogue, and they ask Jesus what's going on, and he tells them a story about sheep. And they're lost. They don't even see it coming. And I can see Jesus slightly frustrated, like, I just told you the story. Now, we feel all good. We feel good when we hear the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the seeds and the sower. We feel all good because we get it because Jesus was kind enough to give us the answers to the parable. And yet, in this parable, he never comes back and gives us clear definition of everything. So today, we're going to study it, and I'm asking you to track only two things because there's a lot of discussion about the other things. Today, I only want you to be concerned about you and the shepherd. So, the cast of characters. We go to the sheepfold. A sheepfold in this day was a really common thing that you would find not only in the countryside, but right outside the villages. What would happen is the shepherds, plural, the shepherds, would bring their sheep to the fold to be kept safe at night. It was frequently a rectangular or a round circle of stones piled high enough to keep intruders out, and it had one way in, one way out. That was it. So, the parable's introduced. When Jesus gives this parable, keep in mind, he's talking to the religious rulers of his day about who's entitled to lead the sheep. Who's really in control of the kingdom of God? Who's in charge? Now, I would also present to you, Jesus goes much deeper than what these guys get superficially. He talks to them about the immediate, he talks to them about the future, and he talks to them about the eternal. And then he gives them a cast of characters. Noticed in this first passage, he never says, you are this, I am this, we are that. He doesn't define any of that. He just tells a story, and they're lost. So the story goes like this. There's a sheepfold. And of course, everybody gets the picture. Everybody that lives in this day knows what a sheepfold is. They see the sheepfold, they understand, because they've lived it. And he says, there's a gate. Everybody knows there's a gate. And this is where the good guys go. And there's bad guys. The thief. The thief doesn't use the gate. The thief never use the, uses the gate. The thief climbs in over the wall. He does it at night. He does it in secret. He does it for devious purposes. But Jesus says, you can tell who's who by how they're coming into the sheepfold. And the Pharisees are looking at him like, we're lost. We're talking about a blind guy, and you're talking about sheep. And he says, I tell you the truth. There's a watchman. Now, how this worked was, overnight, they didn't have a wooden gate, an iron gate, a gate on a hinge. They had a person. And overnight, a person slept in the gate. The person that was in the gate was the watchman. If you will, he was the gate. And there we are. We're the sheep. I was going to name them. One was Dan, one was Bobby, one was me. Then he goes into verses 7 through 10. Because in verse 6, he realizes nobody has a clue. He's way over their heads. And he says, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now I can start to see the disciples going, oh, now I know where you're heading with this, Jesus. Thank you very much, because he finally put somebody into this. Jesus says, one of the I am's of John, I am the gate. In this moment, Jesus explains something simple for the immediate, the right now. I am the Messiah. You see, in these days, during this past week, I was really tracking this theme. Look how many times the Pharisees, the rulers, all the people, they came and said, tell us who you are. Tell us who you are. Tell us who you are. They're looking for the Messiah. They're looking for the prophet. They're looking for Elijah. They want to know who John the Baptist was. They go to John the Baptist. John the Baptist, are you the Messiah? No, but one who comes after me will be. And they're looking, 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 looking. They're always looking for the Messiah. That was a huge thing in this day. And Jesus turns and says, I am the way. I'm the gate. I'm the way in and the way out. And I'm the way to gain legitimate access to the kingdom of God. Notice also, he says, he leads to green pastures. They come in and go out and find pasture in verse 9. There is an intention for the gate here. The gate is the way to this life. And notice, nothing else works. You can't sneak out over the wall. Somebody that comes in over the wall is not legitimate. And Jesus is saying, I am the legitimate way. And so in the immediate teaching here, in this, in this parable, if you will, Jesus is teaching, I am the Messiah. Here I am. Now, it's funny, later, if you want to read this at home, go later in John chapter 10. Later in the same year, Jesus comes back and they said, tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? And he says, I did tell you, and you didn't believe me. Here he is telling them, and they don't believe him. So we go to the next section, verses 11 through 13. Let's go to that third column. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now, this is where I don't want you to get too distracted in it. We could talk about who's the watchman. We could talk about who's the hired hand. We could talk about, right, all of the different things. Who's the wolf? We could talk about all that. Don't get distracted in that this morning. I think that Christ didn't define everything because he wants us to mull this over to think about it. Uh, Many teachers would apply a lot of this to the discussion of pastors, right? If you're going to be a pastor, if you're going to pastor a church, you need to come through Christ, not for your own motives. You can't sneak in over the wall. Don't be that thief. But this morning, I want you to keep looking at the sheep and the shepherd. And here, the good shepherd says what? The good shepherd says he lays his life down for the sheep. And right back to the parable of the sheepfold. You see, they're, they're familiar with this idea. David, as a shepherd, he goes to face Goliath, and he says what to King Saul? He says, I myself have fought the lion and the bear, and I've slain them to protect what? The sheep. The good shepherd goes, and he lays his life down to protect the sheep. Notice he's not like the hired hand. The hired hand, what does he do? He flees. Danger arises. Things get hard. He hits the road. He wants no part of that. And Jesus says to them, Right now, I am laying my life down for you. Here comes another one of his prophecies regarding his death. And so Jesus lays out the immediate, I'm the Messiah. 
He lays out the future. This is what's coming. I'm laying my life down for you. Now, before we go to verse 14, I want to throw in a couple observations. These are some points in the story that we get to pick up on because we have the totality of Scripture. We have the whole book in front of us. We get to look at all of it. First, the idea of the shepherd theme, that was not new. Not new at all. As we go back all the way into the earliest books of Moses, in Numbers, we see Moses explaining to Joshua the idea that God has a flock of people and he puts a person in charge to lead them as a shepherd. There's one of the earliest instances of God referring to the leader of the nation as a shepherd. In 2 Samuel, um, David is looking to build the temple, and God's comment to him was, in all the time that I had leaders shepherding my people, I never put a place for my name. God calls them shepherds. In Isaiah 40, it talks about a Messiah shepherd, and it talks about this person being the shepherd of God's people. And notice we go book by book, theme by theme, author by author, and the shepherd principle keeps coming up. Jeremiah, God himself is the shepherd. In Ezekiel 34, the whole chapter, it's nothing but shepherd discussion. In Psalms 23, 28, 80, we catch all these shepherd themes. And I want to call to mind with you in Psalm 23. Boy, as I get older, I dwell and I wait and I look and I think about what does God mean? I can't pass, get past verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Man, if I could just figure that out. <laughs> the Apostle Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain. And I struggle with that, going, Lord, I know you promised to provide all my needs. That's Psalm 23, 1. I shall not want. But it goes on to say, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He shepherds, he shepherds, he shepherds, he shepherds, he shepherds. God keeps bringing us back to the shepherd concept. In Zechariah 11 and in 13, I threw this in for Vicky. We have good shepherds and bad shepherds. Go and read it, though, because Jesus comes back to the same topic that Zechariah puts out. He says, there will be good shepherds, then there will be bad shepherds, and you don't want to follow the bad shepherds. And during this statement, Jesus is saying, my sheep will know my voice. And they're not going to follow the illegitimate shepherd. They'll recognize it. And I wonder if at this point in time, some of the Pharisees start to click. They start to get it. You see, in John, we get an image. This, is, this was neat, too. I, I caught this theme this past week. There's a guy named Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus is from John chapter 3. Uh, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Okay, that's to Nicodemus. But three separate times, Nicodemus shows up in the book of John. He's one of the Pharisees. He's one of the rulers. And at this point in time, I wonder if people are starting to click on good shepherds, bad shepherds, and this guy says he's the good shepherd. What does that make us? It's no surprise that they get uptight about it. So Jesus keeps laying out the I am statements. Notice, though, he never says, I'm the Lamb of God. I found that interesting. That's John the Baptist saying that about him, okay? And so we have the I am, I am, I am. And as we go through the rest of the New Testament, Hebrews says he's the great shepherd. First Peter says he's the chief shepherd. Revelation 7, this one will blow you. The lamb is the shepherd. That the lamb of God is the shepherd. And we go, wow, we're getting lost in this parable. We're getting lost in the analogy. There's so many images because there's so many ways to look at Christ in this parable. The gate, I'm the Messiah. The shepherd, I'm the leader, right? The lamb, I'm the sacrifice. 
And so Jesus continues to lay this out, lay this out, lay this out. And that's why I want to caution you, don't get lost in the imagery. Because here's where it really drives home. Verses 14 through 18. This is precious to us because if we, if we gain nothing else out of this passage, this is the one that we want to get. I am the good shepherd, verse 14. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Okay, so get your picture out. Where's your sheep at? Look at your sheep. I got to be honest, my sheep was ugly. That was a self-portrait. I want you to recognize I'm not picking on any of you because I'm the ugliest of sheep. But I want to point out one simple fact, that Jesus was the perfect lamb of God. And when you look at your picture, your self-portrait there, you are not a perfect lamb of God. That's more than just a metaphor. That's just true. Nobody has got it all together. But Jesus says, I will be your shepherd. And first, we will have an intimate relationship. We will be close. We will be so close, I will know your voice, you will know mine. As I was looking for videos this past week, there was one where it was so funny. The shepherd walks out, and all of the sheep, their heads spin right to him. And he says, good morning, flock. And they all, bah. And then he starts, it was comic. It was so funny. He stood up as if he was at a rally, and he said, what do we want? And all the sheep went, and when do we want it? And he was talking, and they were answering. Don't miss that. When the shepherd speaks, his sheep know the voice. The sheep know the voice. When he starts teaching this picture, the shepherds would go out before dawn. It's dark. The watchman, hey, how you doing, Joe? Pretty good. Joe walks in. Hey, my lambs, come with me. They know his voice. They come out of the flock. They leave the sheepfold and go with the shepherd. That's amazing. If you have an animal that knows your voice that well, it's a really cool thing. Jesus says, we will have that relationship that close. Now, the second thing he says is, don't miss this, I will be a sacrificial servant leader. He takes us right to Isaiah 53. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus says, I will lay my life down for my sheep. Which again, the Pharisees are lost. The disciples are probably very confused. But later, later, John is recording this gone. Now it's all making sense. Then he gets to a really strange statement. Verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Everybody's lost. No clue. Until how many years later? There are the Gentiles, you and I, brothers and sisters. There's another sheepfold, not just the Jewish community. Remember, he was talking to the synagogue rulers, the leaders. He's saying, there's a whole other sheepfold that I'm going to be calling, and they will recognize my voice, and they will come and follow. And then the last and most precious point, verse 18. He lays his life down of his own accord, but at the Father's command. And as I sat and contemplated this this week, 
I went, I have three sons. I couldn't imagine legitimately laying the life of one of my sons down to save people. I couldn't imagine that sacrifice. I couldn't imagine the Father's command to Jesus, I want you to willingly die. That these sheep would live. That is precious. And so, Jesus gives us the eternal statement of this. I am your good shepherd. I know that you're a less than perfect sheep. I know that you are prone to wandering off. I know that when I call, sometimes you'll be hiding in the bushes, afraid to come back, lost, not knowing how to come back. I know that you'll be rebellious, but I know you as my sheep. And I will call you, and you will answer. And sometimes we come kicking and screaming. But other times we hear that voice, we hear that sweet, sweet call of our Lord and Savior. And we say, here I am, Lord. I recognize what you're calling. And so I'd pray and invite you this morning that as you consider the good shepherd, you would see the fact that you have a personal shepherd that wants to come and lead your life, wants to come and call your name, call you by name, that you would come out of the sheepfold, come in and go out, and find green pasture. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you that you have been gracious and kind, and I thank you that you show us love. I thank you more than anything, Lord, that you know my name. And I thank you that you call us and ask us to respond. So I pray that you would be with us this week open our eyes, open our hearts, that as we hear these parables, we would recognize who you are, listen and follow. Amen.